This is the podcast of Redemption Bible Church, where applicational preaching is a distinctive of our church. For more information, log on to redemptionfw.org. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Happy Easter. Um, I'm going to be reading from 1 Corinthians 15, 12 through 20. So if you'd like to turn in your Bibles and follow along with me, 1 Corinthians 15, 12 through 20. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he, is, he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. How'd you guys do on uh, April Fool's Day this year? You guys do okay? Uh, I'm always, uh, it's kind of fun to watch April Fool's Day and what certain organizations will do, companies will do, and how many people fall for it. So this was a couple of years ago, but Target put up this thing called the, the Fanny Basket. So it's kind of like a fanny pack and a basket combined. So some of y'all who still haven't given up the fanny pack, you know, you can feel right at home at Target. And of course, people were like, some were excited about the fanny basket, but it was an April Fool's joke. Then a couple of years ago, Honda put out the CRV selfie edition and it had 19 cameras to take different selfies. And, you know, some people got real excited about that. And it's fun to watch, you know, silly people get caught up in all that and until you're one of them. This year, I, I have to admit that uh, a YouTuber I follow, I don't want to talk about Star Wars stuff, but anyway, he uh, he had me for a good solid five minutes before I'm like, oh, wait, oh, it's April Fool's Day. Come on, Hart, get, you, get it together. No one likes to be fooled. No one likes to be duped. You don't want to be fooled into believing something that's not true. And there's some stuff about Christianity that's really hard to believe. I mean, think about what we're saying today. That a guy who was dead came alive again. I mean, what rational, intelligent, smart person would really believe that that's possible? It's a problem. And there's a lot of people in churches now, churches across America, are trying to demythologize the Bible. And to do that, what they do is they try to pull out these things that are hard to believe, like the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Do we need it? Do we need a risen Savior? I mean, he died for us. Isn't that enough? Besides the fact, church, that there is massive evidence of a risen Savior, it is vital to your faith. 
It is vital to your Christianity. And if we don't have a risen Savior, then we have nothing. So what I'm after today is this. I want you to believe, you know, affirm that belief, and then celebrate that Jesus Christ is written to believe and to celebrate it. And to do that, we're going to focus in on this awesome text, 1 Corinthians 15. So let me give you a little background as we walk into 1 Corinthians a little bit, help you understand what's going on here. 1 Corinthians is a book written by the Apostle Paul uh, to the church in Corinth. And as you read through Corinthians, you realize these guys had a lot of problems. There were factions, there was fighting, there was sexual immorality, there was all of these issues that were present at the church in Corinth. And then Paul is going to step in to give them the answer they need to help fix some of these problems. So where's Paul going to go? What's he going to do? Let your eyes fall on 1 Corinthians 15, verse number 1. And Paul says this. Now, I would remind you, brothers, can you read those next three words with me? Of the gospel. That's right. He reminded them about the gospel. Because the gospel is the answer to your problem. Look at me now. The gospel is the answer to your problem. Let's keep reading. I preach to you the gospel that I preach to you, which you received, in which you stand, in which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Now look what it says in verse number three. For I delivered to you as of, what's those next words? As of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, and here it is, that he was raised on the third day, listen, in accordance with the scriptures. Paul says, what you need is you need the gospel. And if you're going to believe the gospel, you have got to believe about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He was raised, as scripture has said. And then he goes on to line out the logical reasons to believe in a resurrection. And you have that starting in verse number six. Then he, uh, verse number five, and then he appeared to Cephas. By the way, again, that's, Peter or Simon or Cephas, the dude had a lot of names, but here's Cephas again, then the 12, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and all the apostles, last of all, as to one a timely born, he appeared also to me. And, and so Paul is saying, look, yeah, there's tons of reasons to believe that Christ is risen. So many people, hundreds of people have seen Jesus raised from the dead. It's logical to believe that. But it goes into then, starting in verse 12, is it goes into the theological reasons, the theological reasons to believe. And what he does is he kind of handles this in the negative way to say, what if he didn't raise? What if there is no resurrection? What does that mean? So you have a blank there in your bulletin. Let me give it to you. Some of y'all are OCD, and you won't be able to leave here celebrating Easter unless that blank is filled. And we're praying for your soul. But here's, here's what it is. I want to talk, first of all, about the implications of an unrisen Savior. The implications of an unrisen Savior. If Christ has not been raised, then what? Look at this with me. Christ has not been raised. Let's take a look at this. Verse number 12 now again. 
Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. So here's problem number one with an unrisen Savior, is that we have a dead Savior. We have a dead Savior. If there is no resurrection, then Jesus is dead somewhere. His body is laying somewhere on this planet. And that's kind of a problem. Because he said he would raise again. Here is John chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you'll raise it up in three days. But he was speaking about the temple of his body. So he was going around saying, I'm going to raise again. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. And, and if he wasn't, if he has not been risen, that either means he's a liar or he's a lunatic. That's kind of a problem. The text goes on to say this in verse number 14. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. He says our preaching because so many of them did proclaim a risen Savior. This is Peter. In Acts chapter 2, he said, he foresaw, talking about Jesus now, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ. Uh, this is talking about David. I'm sorry, David from the Old Testament. David foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ that was uh, not abandoned in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up. So what Peter is saying is, you know when David said earlier that he wouldn't see corruption? No, he wasn't talking about David. He was talking about his offspring, Jesus, that was to come. And Peter is saying, he's been raised. He's been raised. But if he hasn't, then Peter is preaching in vain. Acts 4, remember seeing this and we studied through it. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. Peter and John, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. It was a problem for them because they didn't believe it. And if it's not true, then their preaching was empty. Think about for a moment what you're doing right now. You all got up and you put on some nice clothes and you came into a church and you packed into this room this morning and you're sitting listening to a guy talk to you for 35 40 okay maybe 50 55 sometimes hour hour plus if adam preaches <laughs> and you're just i mean you're like is that like why would you do that it's a bright sunny sunday morning man why, what are you doing here if he's not racial the dead this, this, this is empty. This is, this is vain. This is vanity to come and to talk like he is. Because here, this is Redemption Bible Church. And the Bible's filled with the idea of a resurrected Christ. So if we pull out the resurrection, if we demythologize the Bible and pull that out, then why preach? Our preaching is empty. No, I, I, I know this first part feels a little dark. I get that. Can I tell you? It changes toward the end of the sermon, okay? <laughs> it gets better. Not only is our preaching empty, then your faith is empty. Faith is trusting. 
And so what are you trusting in? A guy who said he would raise and didn't, a Bible that proclaims him risen and he didn't. A preacher that says he did, but he didn't. I mean, the resurrection is the foundation of our faith. And if you pull that foundation away, we have nothing. Are you familiar with the, uh, the uh, story of the emperor's new clothes? Not the emperor's new groove, though that's good too, okay? That's fun too. Totally into that movie for sure. But the emperor's new clothes, Hans Christian Andersen made this popular. It was actually around kind of before him in several different forms. He kind of really made it popular. And the idea are these two tailors come to this kingdom, and they're swindlers. They want to make some money. So they charge the king all kinds of money to weave him a very special garment. It's beautiful. But, but, if you're, but if you're stupid, you can't see it, is what they say. If you're kind of foolish and you're dumb, you can't see it. But smart people, they can see the clothes. And so the whole kingdom, the whole court, pretends, oh, of course I, I can see it. They didn't want to be the dumb one. Of course I can see it. And the king's like, oh, yes, I can see it. Until he comes walking down the street in his new beautiful garment. And a kid walks out and points and says, the emperor has no clothes. And that's us parading around like Jesus is risen when he's really not. If he is not raised, our faith is empty. Which really then brings us to 15. We're just taking this text apart. Here's 15. Paul says, we're even found to be misrepresenting God because we testify to God that he raised Jesus, whom he did not raise. If it is true that the dead are not raised. In other words, we're liars. Paul is a liar. Peter is a liar. James is a liar. Man, I, I'm a liar. Because I've told you time and time again, we preach the gospel all the time, and we say how important the resurrection is. But if it didn't happen, then I'm nothing but a liar. And I don't want to fool anybody with lies. People have done that. Remember this book? This book was a big deal when it came out. A guy by the name of Kevin Malarkey, true name, and his son, Alex Malarkey. Seriously, that was, that's seriously their name. And this book was a, the boy who came back from heaven, and it, it was massive. It was like um, uh, New York New York Times bestseller. Yeah, it was huge. It was, a DVD was made about all these DVDs. By the way, are these little discs that you put in, just so you know, you know well, so I get that down. <laughs> but later, I just teach you But later, um, he came out. And said this, this is Alex Malarkey, the little boy that claimed all this. He said this, I said when I went to heaven because I thought it would get me attention. When I made the claim that it did, I had never read the Bible. People have profited from lies and continue to. They should read the Bible, which is enough. The Bible is the only source of truth. Anything written by man cannot be infallible. All of that, all of that, all of that was nothing but lies. And if Christ isn't risen, then our preaching is just as empty, just as worthless. Just as much of a ruse. And then there's this, and this is really bad. Take a look at verse number 16. If the dead are not raised... Not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ is not raised, your faith is futile. We're going to get to that word futile in just a little bit. And here it is. 
Look at this. You are still in your sins. That's a very, very serious problem. Because the Bible clearly says this in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. Which means if I'm still in my sin, then I'm, I'm a dead man walking. Man, that's eternal death. There is no eternal hope. And man, one of the greatest things to me about the gospel is the fact that I've been forgiven. I've been set free. I have his grace, though I don't deserve it. But if he's not risen, then sin won and death won. That means we lost and we're still in our sins. MacArthur says this, if Christ was not raised, his death was in vain. Our faith in him is in vain and our sins are still counted against us. We are still dead in trespasses and sins and will forever remain spiritually dead and sinful. If Christ is not raised, then he did not bring forgiveness of sins or salvation or reconciliation or spiritual life either now or for eternity. And that means this. We have no eternal hope. Look where he goes next in verse number 18. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. This is a, a picture of um, my mom and my dad and that adorable little toddler, redhead toddler. That's me. That's right. That goofy looking dork in the corner. That's my brother. But that's, uh, that's Grandma Holman, great-grandma Holman. She was my dad's grandma, and uh, she lived to be over 100 years old. So uh, whatever she did, I want to do that, um, maybe. But uh, Gra- Grandma Holman uh, fiercely loved Jesus, man. She fiercely loved Christ. She was uh, a fire and brimstone kind of a woman, but she would tell everybody she knew about Jesus and she loved Christ. And, and I don't remember meeting her because she died shortly after this picture was taken. I don't remember meeting her. Uh, but, but one day in heaven, I will. The Bible says in the Old Testament often that they gathered their feet into their bed and they breathed their last and they were gathered to their people. And I got people. I got a son who's in heaven. If Christ has been raised, but if he hasn't been raised and there is no eternal life, then there is no eternal hope. Then lastly, let your eyes look on verse number 19. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, We are of all people most to be pitied. Why? Because you center your life around something that isn't true. Come on. How many of us will not do something because God's word says not to do it? I hope that's true of you. There there are things I won't say. There are places I won't go. There are things I won't let my mind think about because the Bible says I shouldn't. And the world is out there like there's no boundaries, baby. They're living it up. If there is no Christ, then why am I holding myself back, man? If he hasn't been raised, why am I living the way I am? Shouldn't we just eat, drink, and be merry? If he's not raised? And look at all that. 
just doing a little Bible study this morning, how important is the resurrection of Jesus Christ? And as you look at that, man, how does that make you feel? But then we get to verse 20. Let your eyes fall on this. But in fact, come on, read it with me. Christ has been raised from the dead. Yes, he has. He has been raised from the dead. He is alive. And what that means is all of these things that are true if he hadn't raised are, are the opposite is true because he has raised. So let's go back through the list. And let's flip all of those on their head to see what you have in Christ. And so that second blank, you OCDers, is the implications of a risen Savior. The implications of a risen Savior. And here they are. We don't have a dead Savior, church. We have a Savior who is alive. And he has done what no other religious leader has done in that he rose from the dead. Here's a picture of Buddha's grave and Muhammad's grave and Confucius's grave. Is that how you say it? Confucius's? These are his, their graves because they're dead and they're still dead. Go see Jesus's grave. It doesn't exist. Why church? Because he is alive. He has been raised. He did what none other can do. Exactly what he said he was, he would do proving he was God of very God. Church, not only, it's not that. It's not that our preaching is empty. No, no, no. That means our preaching is powerful. Come on now. The preaching from this pulpit, yes, I hope, I pray. The preaching in your life as you proclaim a risen Savior, it is powerful. Listen, the resurrection brings life. Say that with me, please. The resurrection brings life. And our world needs life. And we have that life. I mean, I could just recount for you time after time when the stuff that I have killed, Jesus has come and made it alive again. My own heart, my own life, my own sin, but God comes and rescues and saves and brings new life. And this world needs it. Because we got a whole lot of technology out there to make life things dead. Like the atom bomb. We got a lot of that going on in our world today. We're pretty good at making life things dead. Do we yet have one thing that we've invented to make dead things alive? <laughs> Google's trying it, by the way. This is a Time article back in 16, and Google's trying it. They're trying to cheat death. A thing called a Calico Project. Get it? Calico, cat, nine lives. Cute. How successful are they going to be at making dead things alive? Give me the universal symbol for how successful they're going to be able to make it. They ain't going to be successful because they can't do it. Because you need a risen Savior to do it. And we have that risen Savior. That means, listen, when you preach Jesus, when you preach the gospel, when you tell others about Christ, you are offering life to them. And it's a powerful thing. It's not that our faith is empty. Our faith is everything. Our faith is everything. <laughs> 
That, that word in the text, feudal, instead of come back to it, the idea of that word feudal, it, it, what, it, what it means is that it is ineffective. It can't get things done. It can't do the job. It'd be kind of like trying to clear out your flooded basement with a shovel, okay? Don't try it. It ain't going to work, all right? It's not it's futile. It's, it's worthless. And the world has nothing to offer people that actually works to change lives. Do you know this? Not really. Not eternal lives for sure. Listen, in the, in the counseling room, I don't have much to offer people other than this, Jesus Christ. And I mean that. My answer for every problem is, let's get Jesus into your life and see what happens. And I'm telling you, I have seen dramatic change in people. Not because Jamie's a good counselor. Not at all. All I do is say, here's Jesus. Let, let's show you how... Jesus Christ and thinking about him and living for him and enjoying a relationship with the living Savior can help solve the deepest heart issues. I've seen people change. Robert came in struggling with 20 plus years of pornography addiction. By the way, names have been changed. Robert came in struggling with that. And he could not find victory, just thing after thing after thing, and just still bound by pornography. I don't know what to do. Let me just show you how Jesus satisfies your soul more than anything else. We began walking, and where Jesus has been in your life, and how a, a live, risen Savior has been actively at work. And when he saw that Christ was involved in his life and loved him and it satisfied him, he got freedom over pornography. Now the dude's out counseling other people so how to be free from pornography because Christ has been risen. The power of that is incredible. George was, again, just making up names as I go along. I don't know how many Georges are there left. I don't know. But George came in struggling with a list of just diagnoses. diagnoses. There have been to seven different secular counselors. And then he's with me. Like, what are you going to do? <laughs> well, I got one answer. It's Jesus. And the more he just saw Christ and how Christ was the satisfaction of his heart, these things just fell away. Not always true, but in this case it was. It's powerful. And it's everything. It's everything. It's not that we're liars. Church, we proclaim truth. We listen, we proclaim absolute authoritative truth. The world hates those words when it comes to truth. I'm going to say them again. Absolute authoritative truth. And it's true, it's true, it's true. And put it to the test, and you're going to find that it's true. There's a lot of people today who are walking through what they're calling a deconstruction of faith. And I don't necessarily think it's a terrible thing. Uh, to walk through deconstruction. I think that if you walk through deconstruction and you use the Bible to reconstruct, I'm okay with that. Okay? So if it's all like, my parents have told me, my parents have told me, well, I don't want you to believe because your parents have told you. Children of mine, I don't want you to believe because I tell you. I want you to grab the Bible and I want you to let the Bible reconstruct your faith. 
But some people kind of get lost in their experiences. And here's a guy, Joshua Harris. He deconstructed his faith and also hired a photographer to picture him deconstructing his faith, I guess. That's, that's what you do, I guess. Look like you're tearing your faith apart. Okay, here we go. How's this? Oh, that's nice. I don't think the story is over for him. I really don't. Uh, and I'm not worried about you taking that journey if, if, if this is your foundation. Because it's true. It's true. It's true. Everyone say, it's true. Absolutely. We proclaim truth. And now, are you ready for some really, really, really good news? Here's some really, really, really good news. We're not still in our sins, church. We are free from our sin. Come on, worship team. Come on up now, if you would. Because we're just about ready to get excited and do a little worshiping. Because do you know this? The Bible says this, for all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. That means lottie dotty. Everybody has fallen into sin. Everybody sins. Everybody sins. You sin. I sin. Tell your neighbor, you sin. <laughs> Just say that to me, Cammy. Oh, okay. All right. The Lord knows. And that's a problem because the Bible also says this in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. Okay, all have sinned, all fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. Because we sin, that's what we deserve. And, and there are literally now, there are millions and millions and millions of people who walk around every day in the guilt and the shame of their sin. There are millions of people who walk around every day buried by the guilt and the shame of their sin. And they have no answer for it. They're struggling with anger and they can't get help. They're struggling with addictions and they can't get help. The Bible says this. The wages of sin is death, yes, but read this with me now. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's right. I'm forgiven. I'm set free from my sin. I don't have to obey my sin when it calls my name. I have freedom in Christ. Why, church? Because he is risen. That's why. Man, it's the greatest news because I hate my sin. But I'm forgiven because of Christ. It's not that I have no eternal hope. I have amazing hope. I'm going to see my son again one day. I'm going to see Grandma home. He's probably going to give me a big, fat, sloppy kiss when I get to heaven. And I'm going to be okay with it. I'm going to see those I've loved who have passed before me because they knew Jesus too and their sins were forgiven too. And we have an amazing hope. And that means, church, we're not like what the world says. The world says we're to be most pitied. The world says Christianity. Why would you believe in those myths? That's just so stupid. Why would you hold on to all that? No, no, no. It means just the opposite. It means that of most people, uh, we are most honored and most blessed. God chose you. If you know Christ as your Savior... You were chosen before the foundation of the world. And he chose you. And you can walk in the joy 
of a, listen now, a personal relationship with Jesus. That's as good as it gets. Tomorrow, I can get up and I can meet my Savior because he's alive. I can open up his word. He can speak to me because he's alive, church. And when I do that every day, oh, what joy is mine. So I don't know about you. That's something I kind of want to celebrate. Are you with me on this? Okay, because, because like, like, okay, so at, at our home, the heart home, uh, we watch Notre Dame. <laughs> you have your team, and they're just as wretched as mine, okay? Maybe even, probably worse. But think about, think about us watching football on a Saturday or Sunday. I guess yesterday a new, whole new league started up. Mostly didn't even know that, but it did. So football's going on again, and, 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 and you can get real excited when one 20-year-old kid passes a ball across the line to another 20-year-old kid, and they make a touchdown, and you go, yay, my team, yay. Listen, he's risen. Death has been defeated. We are not in our sins. We have a hope, and that's something that we should celebrate. So go on, grab your, grab your wands. You're ready. We're not yet, but we're going to do it in a second. Stand with me, and let's sing a song of praise and worship to our God. Let's do this together.